Do you love to read but struggle to see print? Bookshare is a nonprofit ebook library that makes reading easier for people with low vision or blindness. Members can read in ways that work for them with ebooks in audio, large print, and digital braille. Get unlimited access to over 1 million titles, including New York Times bestsellers, periodicals, upskilling books, and more. Bookshare is free for New York Public Library patrons or U.S. students with a qualifying disability. For more information, visit bookshare.org today. Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the content creators and should not be assumed to reflect product endorsements or the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Well, welcome, everybody, and thank you so much for joining us today. I am Matt Bulbrick of TTJ Tech Services at www.ttjtech.net, and we are so glad to have all of you here. It's great to be here Uh with all of you and we have basically just a kind of a potpourri of topics to cover today we're going to discuss the recent apple event and some of the products that were announced at that event and i'm also going to give you some updates on a few products that i had talked about uh the last time one of the last times that i was here uh we discussed some of the uh google products and specifically some smart home uh, devices, including the Nest Yale Lock um, and a couple others. And so I had mentioned at the time that I was just getting into that. And I'd like to give you some updates as to my experiences now that I've uh, gotten that. We will, of course, take questions when it is time. We are in webinar. So uh, when the time comes, we will go over with you how to raise your hand and, uh, you know, whatever questions you might have, we'll do the best we can to answer them. Uh, we are uh, scheduled to go until 3.30, but we'll see what happens. If we get done early, we may not. But, I, you know, uh, I'd like to begin with the, um, the most recent Apple event. And one of the things that came pretty much directly after the Apple event was the update to uh, some new software versions, uh, iOS 15.4. iPad OS, of course, is the same, tvOS 15.4. Um, Watch OS is 8.5, and there is a new um, version of Mac OS moderator, I believe uh, I believe it's 12.3, if I'm not mistaken. Now, that is uh, actually since um, changed a bit because as of the uh, as of uh, yesterday, Apple had released 15.4.1. And other corresponding updates, which is just some additional little security updates. Uh, but the 15.4 update um, had in it uh, several important new features. And one of them that a lot of people have been talking about is the ability to unlock Face ID with a, even if you are wearing a mask. But uh, there are also some other features. Um, and uh, what I would encourage you to do is to always be on the latest version. We have some nice new uh, new emojis. We have a couple additions and, and improvements to uh, iCloud Keychain, the ability to store notes in passwords, uh, along with passwords, I should say. Um, and, you know, just, just a lot of little, little things uh, across the board. So uh, definitely check that out when you get a chance to, um, to update. Um, beyond that, of course, at the Apple event, there were several important announcements. Um, 
I am going to need, let me see. I got uh, trainer Cliff's going to be joining me and needs the link from me. And I'm going to give that now. I'm just going to ask for your patience for about 30 seconds while I do that, because I really want him here to talk about one of the announcements at the Apple event. It's the Mac Studio. And I don't want to um, neglect giving that to him, but I'm not sure I can multitask and continue uh, on, while I'm doing that. So just to ask you for 30 seconds, if I could. Uh, let's see. All right. Here's the announcement from the email. And we're looking for the Apple presentation. Here it is. All right. And I will send him... Let's see the link here. Right. Here's the link. Apple presentation link. Should be able to copy that. Open ads pre high pre ACU eight cookie preferences pre high pre close app zoom zoom dismiss cop share copy link copy link perfect message all right now I can easily go back and paste it and I will be able to continue so I appreciate your patience there. Okay. All right. Perfect. He now should have the link. Awesome. All right. So he'll be joining us then, I think, momentarily. And uh, until he does, we'll talk about some of the other things that were uh, announced. The The first one uh, that was announced at this Apple event, which, by the way, was called Peak Performance. That was the name of the event. Um, one of the first things that was announced was the iPhone SE, I guess what would be the third generation of the iPhone SE now. This is an interesting device. Um, I have often said that Apple really seems to focus on putting all of its best features into even the lowest cost devices. And, you know, to me, this really proves where Apple's heart is, what's in their DNA. It's not always about pushing the highest end product, the most expensive product that they make, but rather it's about getting it into the most hands that it can um, in order for everyone to benefit from it. Uh, one of the greatest proofs of that is the iPad lineup, both because of the wonderful 10.2 inch iPad, which is still my very favorite iPad. I happen to have two of them right here. I'm using one of them for this Zoom meeting. Uh, and and actually, the newest iPad that was just introduced that we're going to talk about in a few minutes was also proof of that. But so is the iPhone SE, because with this device, which starts at just 429, what Apple has done, and I did see Trainer Cliff come in there, so if we can promote him, uh, that would be really awesome. Um, what what they've done with this iPhone SE is, again, the very same thing. They've taken the best features, put them into this, you know, what we would consider to be an entry-level device. Now, it still uses the... I must be VIP because it told me I was a panelist before. Oh, oh you already... Uh, okay. Yeah, I don't know how you manage that. I have to talk to the, the moderators. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, we're just getting started. I'm just going over what was announced at the Apple event, and I'm on the first product right now, the iPhone SE. I told them about 15.4, and now 15.4.1, but I really want you to uh, discuss the Mac Studio, if you would, when we get to that one. Um, but the uh, 
the iPhone SE has the same body as the iPhone 8 and as the previous iPhone SE. Um, there's, uh, I believe, even the same colors uh, or very similar colors. I think some of them have been renamed, but they're basically the same colors. And we are also seeing uh, that we still have a home button, though I do believe it's the haptic home button, not a physical one. Uh, but we do, we still have that home button with Touch ID. So it's, you know, they're not doing away with the home button as of right now on this model. Where the changes really come uh, is the internals of this iPhone, uh, which now has a brand new processor, the A15 Bionic. So Apple's very latest A series chip. We also now have 5G in this iPhone, which is so useful in the iPhone, right? Because 5G is really becoming more and more prevalent. Uh, so we do have uh, 5G. And this, uh, you know, th this iPhone continues to um, to really be at the very top of its game for, for that price point of only $429. Uh, so a lot of the internals have been, uh, you know, have been upgraded to improve performance. Uh, you know, um, there's a, there's a slightly different material, but it's it's still glass, so it's you know it's basically the same thing. Um, but and I'm trying to think, were there were there any other upgrades that I don't even I don't think that the um, I don't think that the cameras received any updates. Am I missing anything there, Cliff, on that iPhone SE? I'm not a huge fan of that phone, but I don't think they upgraded the camera either. I think it's only still one lens, I guess, for lack of a better right. term. But it does have the 13, the same um, chip as the iPhone 13, though, right? Yes. Yes. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, that, yeah. that in itself is an upgrade because the last one was two years ago. And, of right. course, in the tech world, that is a leap and bound for a device that small to be that powerful. I mean, the camera is not a huge deal, but, I mean... You win some. I mean, you get what you pay for. So, I mean, and starting at four twenty nine. I mean, I know somebody who traded in their iPhone twelve because they weren't a fan of Face ID or they just didn't like it. Whatever. Anyway, they traded their their twelve in, and they literally got the the SE for free because they got four hundred on the trade in. So, I mean, to each their own, and that's why Apple puts out these devices to make sure that everybody has a choice. Right. Right. And I um. I would second what you're saying. I agree with you. I, you know, I don't have any problem with um, Touch ID. Obviously, now all of my iPads have Touch ID, but I, I like Face ID on on the iPhone. It's very, very convenient, and I like the Animoji and Memoji in the True Depth camera. Having that on at least one device, uh, I like the size of the iPhone that I have, which is the the 12 model. So I, I would not. Um, I wouldn't consider myself a huge fan of the SE either, but I definitely know there are some people who really prefer that that form factor, that smaller size, that home button, you know, all of those things. And so it certainly is not a bad opportunity for you if you're looking for a new device and uh, want to, you know, get something that includes that, uh, you know, touch ID, the home button, and especially that's a very, very reasonable price um, as far as as phones go you know it's it's pretty amazing so um that is the first product uh, that we'll talk about um the next product that was introduced is an update to the ipad air and this ipad was last updated uh not in 2021 
but in the fall of 2020. So it was um, one of the the last remaining iPads that had not had a recent update per se. Uh, what what Apple did here again, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, uh, is 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 proof of the fact that they really care about the customer and wanting to give everybody the best they possibly can. Um, we didn't expect it. We finally heard about it. There were some rumors that it started to surface maybe the night before or the morning of the event, and we were shocked when we heard them. But they were indeed true. Apple has put the M1 chip into the iPad Air. Um, that is their very, very latest. I'm not counting, you know, M1 Pro and Max and so forth, but it's their very latest generation of Apple designed silicon. It is the same chip that is in the vast majority of new Mac systems out there. Again, except the really, really high end ones, like the one Cliff's going to talk about in a couple minutes. Uh, but it's, it's the latest processor. It is, uh, uh you know, it's, uh, uh, it's an eight core processor. Um, it has uh, eight core graphics, 16 core neural engine, and also uh, eight gigabytes of memory put into the iPad. That's what really is interesting to me. So when I first saw that they were putting the M1 chip in it, I thought that maybe it would be a slightly underclocked version of the M1 chip because they have been known to do that in certain cases. If you look, for example, at the iPad mini uh the, the version of the chip that's in it is is goes by the same name as its equivalent in the iPhones, but it, it's just ever so slightly underclocked. And and that's not a bad thing. It's still amazing performance. And no one really would have or, or could have faulted Apple. I'm sure people would have tried, but no one really could have faulted Apple if they would have done that. Uh, because the iPad Air starts at only $599, right? And so no one would have thought too much about it if if the M1 was slightly uh, of a lower performance than uh, you know the ones that you get in the iPad Pro or the let's say MacBook Pro 13 inch. However, they did not underclock it at all. They put in the it's the exact same clock speed as the M1 in all the other models, and not only that, but they put in the same amount of RAM, which really amazed me. I thought, well, okay, maybe you get the M1, but you get, you know, four or six gigabytes of RAM because you can run an iPad on less than that. I use every day a ninth generation iPad, which has only three gigabytes of RAM, and I'm still doing video editing, audio editing, everything I want to do on it and and not feeling like I'm suffering in performance. So, uh, you know, I thought, well, okay, it's going to be M1, but it's going to be less RAM. It's not. It's eight gigabytes of RAM, same as you will find in... um, Many Mac systems, same as you'll find in in a lot of the iPad Pros. There are a couple iPad Pros that do have 16 at the very top end, but most of them have eight. So it was really um, amazing to me. And and in and of itself, I think that is a huge leap forward. I love the A-series chips. Don't get me wrong. They're great. But even the A-series chips cannot hold a candle to what the M1 is capable of doing. Uh, I said in a recent... Um, review of this iPad Air, there is a reason that um, (laughs) there's a reason that even people who don't like Apple have praised the M1. Uh, There's a reason that the only people who don't like the M1 are the folks who work for Intel, Uh, because it's just not, there's nothing out there that can compete with it. Um, 
And uh, so in and of itself, that's a great start for the iPad Air 2022 or iPad Air fifth generation as it's known. Um, but of course, it doesn't stop there. Uh, Apple has also increased several other areas, uh, one of them being that the iPad Air now has 5G if you get a cellular model. And uh, that's huge. Uh, the other thing that has increased is the speed of the connector. A lot of people don't probably realize this because I'll admit that I didn't even realize the drastic difference. So I was always under the impression that lightning was a bit faster than USB 2. But the, the internet tells me they're basically about the same. And, and I don't know, you know, you can't believe everything you see on the internet, but it seemed like it was a reputable uh, commentary that I read. And they were saying that basically lightning and USB 2 are about the same speed. That speed is 480 Mbps. That means the transfer speed, if you're copying files to you know, an external drive or something like that, which I, I hardly ever do because I use iCloud airdrop email you know all that stuff praise god so i don't deal typically with uh external um physical media like that but that's what they say 480 for the lightning connector the usb-c that was put into last generation ipad air now we're talking the 2020 ipad air was capable of 10 gigabit gbps so that's like 10,000 instead of 480 this year that has been doubled to 20 so the usb c port in the ipad air can do 20 gbps transfer speed if you're doing you know copying to a drive or or those sorts of things um it's still not where the ipad pro is by the way the ipad pro uses thunderbolt which is technically considered usb 4 and that has a transfer rate of something like 40 gbps plus but um, this is still really, really amazing, and it's a huge leap forward. So you got those three major spec bumps, processor to M1, the uh, USB-C doubled in speed, and also 5G. There's something else important that's been added to the iPad Air. It was the only model to not have it yet, and it is the upgraded front camera with center stage. In case there are still those of you who don't know what center stage is, I honestly don't know why every single, I mean, it, it, I think, I believe it was created as a, a visual feature, uh, but I don't know why every visually impaired person in the world isn't jumping all over this because it's amazing. What it does is it tracks the person who is in the camera view and within reason, I mean, you can't leave the room or something, but you know, within reason, it will keep you and anybody with you in focus even as you move around. And I mean, this is so big because how many times are we on a FaceTime call and we can't see, so we don't know. And somebody says, hey, uh, you know, buddy, you're not quite in the camera view, you know, move a little bit to your left. No, no, too far. Move to the right. You know, well, this will track that. This will follow you within reason. As I said, you know, you can't be way, way out there, but it will follow you and it will even do it for multiple people. So if you've got a couple people with you all trying to be in the shot, it's, it's a great thing. Um, right now it's limited to, um, video conferencing apps. It doesn't work in the actual camera app. I hope Apple changes that. Um, there are a couple of third-party apps that I, I heard one in particular that a YouTube reviewer said, um, is a, is a video app that it does work with, but I, I haven't located it yet. I don't remember the name of it. So I'm gonna have to do some research, but I love the basic camera app. I'd really not want to switch 
anyway. So I'd you know probably just wait and assume that Apple's going to implement it at some point. But it is in Apple's FaceTime app. Okay, so you definitely can do it on FaceTime calls. It definitely works with Zoom. It works with a lot of third-party apps as well, other other third-party apps. So it's a you know it's a revolutionary feature, um, and and that front camera it's it's just a great upgrade. So you combine this with everything else that the iPad Air already had, which was the 10.9 inch screen. For all intents and purposes, it's basically the same as the 11 inch iPad Pro screen. It's a little just a little bit smaller and um, lacks what's called ProMotion, which is a variable refresh rate of up to 120 hertz. The only people that's really going to matter for are like your really serious, heavy gamers who are, you know, gaming intensive. You can play games just fine without it, but it's, you know, um, it, that, that's the people who are probably going to notice it the most. Um, you still have all the other great screen features. It's still the liquid retina. Uh, it's still, um, got a, um, what's called full lamination and i never understood full lamination not being able to see it uh until it was explained this way um if you're using a device that does not have full lamination such as say the ipad ninth generation which still has a fantastic display but what could happen is you may notice like if you're drawing for example somebody who can see is drawing on the screen with the apple pencil they can see just a little bit of a gap between the screen and the contents that are displayed. So it doesn't look quite as if you're drawing right on the canvas. It looks like there's a little bit of a gap and you can tell, oh, I'm using a screen. It's a, it's a great screen, one of the best I've ever used, but yeah, it's still a screen. But if you fully laminate the display, like they've done in the iPad Air, it, it looks to you as though you are drawing directly on the canvas. There's no way to tell that it's a screen. There's no gap there whatsoever. So people love that full lamination. And of course, the anti-reflective coating that, that seems to come with it when they do it that way. And that has the, um, the uh, you know, ability to use it in direct sunlight. Uh, True Tone, which the iPad ninth generation does have uh, also, but True Tone is the ability for the screen to automatically adapt its color um, temperature to the lighting conditions that you're using it in. So it's still a great screen, 10.9 inch. And you also have stereo speakers in landscape mode on the iPad Air. You have the latest Wi-Fi and Bluetooth technology. You have the, the back camera is also really good. It's a 12 megapixel, just one camera, but still a great one. And in addition to that, Touch ID in the power button. So the top button of your iPad Air is the, uh, is the Touch ID sensor. There is no home button. And, you know, it works really well, I got to say. Uh, it honestly does. Um, and so this is a fantastic machine. Uh, it's available in 64 and 256 gigabytes of storage uh, in five different colors. Uh, space gray, starlight, which is like a cross between silver and rose gold, uh, pink, purple, and a brand new blue color, which is the one that I got and everybody is just raving about the blue color. Um, this is available starting at uh, 599 the highest end model is $899. For that, you get 256 gig plus the cellular, so Wi-Fi plus cellular capability. That's just under $300 more than the iPad ninth generation. So the, the very top uh, ninth gen iPad at 256 with Wi-Fi plus cellular is 609. Uh, so it, you know, it's 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 not a bad. It'd be a tough call. You know, they're both really good iPads. I use them both, and you know, praise God, it's a, it'd be a tough call for somebody at, at this point. At, you know, to say which one is is um, the right option, but 
um, the uh, the accessories um, that it supports too. It supports the latest generation of accessories. So it supports the second gen Apple Pencil. More importantly, I would assume to those of us who are here, it supports the Magic Keyboard. That's not the only option. Um, you can also get Apple's Smart Keyboard Folio or several different offerings from Logitech and other companies. But uh, it does support the Magic Keyboard, um, which is just a fantastic typing experience on the Magic Keyboard with trackpad that is designed for the iPad. And then it supports a lot of nice... Um, Apple smart folios that are, you know, just cases as well when you're not using that keyboard, because that keyboard really does add a significant amount of weight to it and really does make it a, um, a, a laptop feel. Uh, so when you don't want to do that, you know, when you want to use it as a, a reading device, listening, watching movies, you know, whatever, um, you know, you can, it's personal preference, but I suggest taking it out of that keyboard case and just slipping it into a, a basic um, Apple smart folio. And I actually did a demo of that yesterday in a video that I just posted about the iPad Air uh, to the TTJ YouTube channel. And it took all of about five seconds for me to switch from one case to another. So it's really not a, you know, a, a factor to be uh, stressed out about by any means. Once you learn how to do it, it's really, really simple. So that is the, um, that is the iPad Air. And then the third product, and I think Cliff is, is back with us now, um, the third product is the Mac Studio. And uh, this thing, all I'm going to say is if this is not the Mac Pro, if Apple still has something in mind for the Mac Pro, which they say they do, then I cannot even imagine what that's going to begin to be. Because this Mac Studio is already more powerful, better performing than the existing Mac Pro systems that are out there. So, Cliff, are you uh, are you with us there? Yeah, I'm here. I just had to switch okay. to my phone. Okay. All right. What would you like to uh, share about the... I mean, I know we well, have the brand new M1 uh, Ultra processor in it. Right. And that's in the higher-end model. And the lower-end model you get the M1 Max, which I think came out in the high-end 14 to 16-inch MacBook Pros at the end of November of last year. Um, right. So that's what's in the, 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 for lack of a better term, cheaper model, lower-end model, base model, whatever you want to call it. So that <laughs> right. one has the Max, the uh, M1 Max, but um, unlike the M1s from last year, you're able to go up to, I think on that one, you can go up to 64 gigs of RAM. Um, um, of course you have the 32 gig option or, of, I'm sorry, that's a windows term, 64 gigs of memory. <laughs> so, um, in the ultra model, which is the basically two M1s, um, combined, you are getting, you can go up to 128 gigabytes of memory. You can have, if I'm not mistaken, up to eight terabytes of SSD storage. I think and that's then you right. Got yep. Massive graphics, yeah, massive graphics and um, CPU and GPU, all that technical stuff that we don't care about. We just want it to flow. But, right. I mean, I haven't even got I haven't even got a chance to get my hands on mine yet because it's not due to ship until next Friday. But everything that I've wor heard in all the reviews, I've heard nothing negative. Well, I've heard one negative thing about it, but this is people nitpicking and they're complaining that the 3.5 millimeter jack 
should be on the front instead of the back. But another blogger wrote that Apple probably did that because maybe some people don't want to use their home pods or Bluetooth speakers and they want to plug in external speakers. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. So, I mean, it, it, from what I've heard from different people that already have theirs, if you don't have the Mac Studio display, you're going to run into a few hiccups. For instance, the, the Mac um, the Mac Studio does not come in with an external built-in mic on it. You would think it does as much as it costs. And you can't use Hey Siri with an external microphone. It has to be a built-in headset or... No, it can't even be a built-in headset. They, they bottom line said that they want people to buy the Mac Studio Display, which is another $1,500, $1,800 if you want the fancy glass and stand to go with it. I'm not a big Siri person on my Mac, so that wasn't a deal breaker for me. But I know somebody who literally spent the $1,500 because they like using Hey Siri on their Mac. I, I mean, to each their own. I wouldn't have done it. <laughs> it would seem cliff right like i mean if you if you had sight or if there were anybody in your family who were planning on using the mac studio in any serious way then it probably would seem like the wise thing to do to buy the siri uh the, the um studio display because they are kind of like you always had said about uh, Excel and you know, like peanut butter and jelly. I mean, they're designed to go right, right. together, and and we should we should really stress that for folks who are listening to this and who want to you know buy a Mac Studio. It's not an iMac. It's not an all-in-one unit. It's more like a Mac Mini. Yes, you have to buy peripherals to go with it. You, you got to buy the peripherals, yes, the have- keyboard, the trackpad, or mouse, and. You're not going to, I think maybe it has a little speaker built into it, but you're not going to get. It does. It does have a speaker, but I heard it sounds okay. like crap. And going yeah, back you're to not what you get said really about. Sound, that studio display has supposedly excellent speakers in it. And yes, studio speakers, quality two mics, on each side and two on the bottom. Right. Studio quality mics and even um, a camera with center stage. It's the only non-iPad yes. device to have center stage in the camera. So yeah, it's um it's a you know it's an expensive add-on. Well, um, but that, if you got that depends you know, on who you ask because your buddies over at Samsung claim they got a display that has camera that's gonna follow you. They don't call a center stage, of course, but they say it's gonna follow you on a FaceTime call, and it only right. costs half the price, which is seven ninety nine. But going back okay. to what you said about the display, if you have sighted family, um, it would make sense. This came from somebody who has none. They have yeah. zero sighted family. Me, but they bought it just because they wanted the hey siri feature really i can't i can't justify that wow. that's like me buying a lamborghini just to drive two months out of the year that I, I just can't do something like that that's incredible but hey if you if you got the money and it, it's your personal preference hey more power to you i'm not yeah. like a nobody the way they spend their money because i've bought stuff that i probably shouldn't have bought but i i, I have it. So, I mean, you know, they each their own. But again, it is a great, it is a great machine. I can't wait to get my hands on it. It's probably going to be my machine for the next, I, I, I originally said five years, but I'm going to bring it down to probably about three. But yeah, because ain't no telling <laughs> what the technology will be in three years. But I know if it's outperforming the last Mac Pro that they made that Paramount and Sony Pictures and Disney Studios used to, you know, produce their movies, then I know it's a great machine. Um, again, 128 gigs of memory. Um, you don't have to get that. Um, the, the, I got the the starting model 
that's not called a base model. I got the starting model. So I got 64 gigs of uh, memory, the terabyte and the uh, all the USB Thunderbolt ports along with the two USBAs that I'll never use because I don't even own USB devices anymore. Um, but, you know, because I do a lot of audio editing and I'm going to, you know, dive into Final Cut Pro, which is a video editing app. I mean, if I got the power, I, hey, I might as well try it, right? So, and right. Matt, you've used, you've used Final Cut Pro. I mean, I know maybe it's been a couple of years and I mean, was it usable as a voiceover user when you did it, touch it last time? It was, um, it was, you know, it, it, it works with voiceover. I mean, the, everything's accessible. You don't have, you know, unlabeled elements and stuff, if I remember, but you know, it does, it, there's a lot of visual aspects to it where you're going to be better off having sighted help because of lining things up and you know those sorts of things but yes it is accessible right right and then for yep. for anybody else who's listening that may have a mac final cut pro and logic pro are both a little spendy logic pro is 199 do you remember how much final cut pro was was that 299 that's what I was thinking. It's either one ninety nine or two ninety nine. Yes. Yep. But Apple, if you go to their website, I googled it, so I couldn't tell you the direct link. But I know if you go, if you Google a uh, trial period of either one of those um, programs, they will give you a ninety day trial of it. I'm using my ninety day trial on Logic Pro now. I actually downloaded the Final Cut Pro uh, trial, but I didn't install it. I'm going to wait until I get my Mac Studio to to put that one, but. Um, I have sided family, and I know my kids will probably have a, a, a joy with, with that Final Cut Pro doing stuff with videos because they love doing stuff on Snapchat and and, and all the other other media social media sites that I don't even fool with. But again, if you don't know if you want to, you know, touch those programs, you get ninety days to try them out, and that's you know unheard of these days because most things only give you uh, um, thirty days or maybe even a week sometimes until they make you pay for it. So. I mean, that just, you know, says another thing about Apple that people criticize about, just like they didn't think they would be successful in Apple TV Plus, and yet and still they got the movie that took home the number one Oscar in the country, uh, in the world, um, back on Sunday, so. Right, right, which is, I, 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 I still chuckle about that, because I'm telling you, it does not matter. Apple knows how to do quality, you know, and anytime they, they venture into something, there's always criticism, but they always come out on top that not only did they get best picture for Coda, but it's the only streaming service or the first streaming service to ever receive best picture on, you know, yep. so that that's incredible. Um, One more, a couple more things about the Mac studio. I just remind, cause I think me and Matt were talking at the same time. This is basically, uh, uh, a Lamborghini of Mac um, Mac Mini. So right. it's twice as thick. It's a little heavier. It has cooling fans, of course, because it got much more processors, but it does not come with your necessities. You need a keyboard. I don't like a mouse or a trackpad, but I think at some point during the setup, you need a mouse or a trackpad just to click. And it doesn't even have to be, you know, the $120 trackpad or the $90 mouse. You can plug in one of those other platforms, mouses just to click past the screen. Now, I, I can't confirm it because I haven't gotten it yet because my experience with the Mac Mini, all I had to do was plug in a, a keyboard, turn it on, and I was good to go. But a lot of people are saying that you have to get sighted help to get you past first, the first couple of screens. So, again, I'll find out. Maybe I'll do a unboxing and setup video, not edit it and see what really goes on and put it up on my 
me and Matt's YouTube page just to see because I, I really am interested to see if they really took that kind of because the, the thing that we tout all the time is being able to set up our devices by ourselves. So I really find it hard to believe that they would take away the ability to set the Mac studio up by yourself and it's been there for so long. So we'll see. We'll, we'll see. I'll definitely right. put that video up though when I get it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good idea. That'd be great. So that was the uh, that was the Apple event in a nutshell. I mean that you know these uh, these products are all available now. There's a uh, probably a pretty significant back order. I was I was in and out when you were talking about stuff. But did you talk about the fact in fifteen point four that you can set up a face ID with a mask? Yes, I did. I did mention that. Yep. Okay. Yep. And then what about the universal control with the iPad to the Mac? Uh, yeah, I did not talk about that. That's another one of the big new features in iPad OS and Mac OS in this recent update. And I have not tested it yet. I've not played with it. You know, we should do it because, uh, you know, from both a voiceover perspective and a sighted perspective, I, I'm sure my my kids would like to try it. Uh, it's called universal well, control. The, the sided world raves about it. They say it's probably yes. the best thing since flat bread. That's how much I've heard. I've never, I haven't heard anything negative about it. This goes back to people getting mad at Apple because it was announced at the, you know, the, the uh, keynote last June. And then it was there in the first beta or in, in, or in the first release, but then they took it away. Well, they took it away for a reason, kind of like what they took away folder sharing a couple of years ago, and they put it back at about the same time they put this universal control back because they wanted to perfect it, they wanted to get it right, and they didn't want to have any bugs. And lo and behold, it's out, and nobody's complaining about it. That's right. That's right. That's right. And it is. It's. It's. So what universal control does? It's an iPad and Mac feature that allows you to use one keyboard and mouse or trackpad to control both devices or even multiple devices like an iPad and two Macs or something like that. You can drag content from one device to the other. You can use the one keyboard. Let's say you're typing on the Mac and then you need to type on your iPad. You can use the same keyboard instantly to, to switch back and forth uh, which device you're typing on. Um, and, and as I said, the trackpad or mouse or, you know, what have you will control everything. So this is a really, as Cliff said, uh, people are just raving about it. Now, I've heard nothing from the voiceover community, good or bad. You know, I, I don't know if it's yet designed to work with voiceover. I guarantee you someday it will if it, if it doesn't now, but it may now. Uh, I, I just have not played with it. I don't use the Mac that heavily. Uh, I need to really get my my son or my daughter to try it because they use uh, well, especially my son. He uses the Mac um, as uh, you know one of his main devices, uh, and and so we have this MacBook Pro, and he's got an iPad, and I need him to try it, and uh, it'll be very interesting to see uh, you know then when we turn voiceover on, uh, what if anything happens you know that we can do with that. But it's uh, very. Uh, very highly sought after feature as as cliff said it was announced last year and you know uh it's it's now available and it's it's working very well people love it all right so that is the apple I'm sorry, event. did you ask me a question Matt? Oh. um no i was just saying i that what you said is true that it it really is uh 
you know, everybody's loving that feature. They're just raving about it, you know. All right. Um, as I said, these products are all available now. You may have some uh, back order with some of them. Um, and, you know, uh, th there's... Uh, th this really does, you know, I think the Mac Studio, the very top end of the market, folks who really need this very high-end Mac system um, for the things that they do, you know, will just absolutely love it. I think the iPad... As I said, iPad is most interesting because it really makes it so that the iPad Pro is probably only needed by the top 5% of the market. And by five top 5%, 5 I don't mean financial bracket, but I mean what they're doing with their iPad. And as much as I do with my iPad, I don't even put myself in that category. When I say that, I'm talking about like NASA and you know hollywood studios uh you know and and things of that nature uh the rest of us are fine with the ipad ninth generation and certainly the ipad air you know um so uh, you know case by case but it's definitely something to check out um it's a great device it'll last you a long time and uh you won't be disappointed with it that's for sure um i'd like to now switch gears entirely and talk about something else, kind of revisit something that we talked about last time, and then we'll go to questions. Um, and this is that I, I discussed the last time that we were together uh, a series of um, Nest products and Google products. I, I did a review for all of you of the Google Nest Hub, and I said that you know I don't. There's no. I, I'm not there. There. There are things about Google that I love. And things about Google that I am really not a fan of. Uh, you will not see me becoming an Android user. You will not see me go out and buy a Google Pixel. Uh, you know, you you are not going to see me um, switching to Chromebooks, right? Um, but you know, when I, I like to be, I like to say that I, you know, I want to be the least biased person you know. And when Google does or any company does something right, you know, I want to give credit for that too. And I believe with the Nest line and their, their smart home stuff, they've really gotten it right. Uh, personally, I like it better than A-L-E-X-A. Uh, not quite as good as the HomePod in some regards, but in other regards, there are things that the, the Nest hubs can do that a HomePod cannot do right now. That may change if you believe the rumors uh, you know, that Apple is, at least in theory, working on a, you know, a smart display. We'll see what happens. Um, but as of this moment, the the Google Nest Hub that we reviewed is 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 just absolutely fantastic. And I mentioned to you that uh, because of now getting that Nest Hub, I, I'm getting some additional smart home products that I didn't have before. And I mentioned a Starling hu uh, Home Hub, which allows me to use my Google Nest products with Apple HomeKit, so they all work beautifully together. And um, uh, you know, today what I'd like to do is just mention a couple of these products that you mentioned HomeKit. So I just want to throw something in here. Um, Eero has released an updated, and that's a, a wireless router that gives you maximum coverage over large homes. I think one on the home model covers over 1,500 square feet, which is the size of most apartments. Anyway, they released their 6 Pro Mac called 6 Pro E. 
I guess this plays nicer with um, low-end Bluetooth devices like doorbells and cameras and stuff of that nature. And I was about to buy it until I saw a little tidbit at the bottom. And what it said is, going forward, we will not support HomeKit. So that is a deal breaker for me. Some people might think that's a big deal, but or not a big deal. But I do because I want all my stuff in one place. I don't want to have to go to two and three different apps just to do something. Now, maybe I'll change my mind in the future because of what they may do or what they can, you know, what the success rate with it. But I saw a reviewer on Amazon say he was sending his back because they weren't going to support uh, HomeKit. And I felt his pain because I'm all Apple in and I love the arrow and the fact that the, the the model that I have and the model you have support HomeKit and they did say that that won't go away. But for the, the updated ones, they said they do not plan on rebuilding the infrastructure from the ground up just to implement HomeKit for whatever this threading and whatever else case they may really? believe that they're talking about that won't support it. So Wow. Um, I somehow, I don't know what happened. I had a connectivity issue there for a moment and I'm, I'm back now, but were you talking about the new Eros? Is that what you said? Yes, yes. They they plan on, they said that they, based on the way that the HomeKit is implemented into their previous devices, they don't want to rebuild their infrastructure and going forward, they're not supporting HomeKit. They said their previous devices will continue to support it, but the newer one, the 6 Pro E, as they're calling it, is not going to support it. And I guess the threading that it's going forward with, and I forgot the other term they use, but basically it's designed to support low-end, low volume, not low volume, but low signal devices like doorbells and cameras and, and um, you know, uh, sensors and stuff like that. This this one is supposed to give them a stronger signal to stay connected. So, but they feel that what they're going forward with HomeKit is not necessary. Maybe that's why Apple isn't selling them in the Apple store anymore. You know, now they only sell those Linksys, uh, VLOP or however you say that. Uh, well, they they are a good company, but I like the arrow the way what it does, and maybe I'll get over the HomeKit thing because I because technically once it's set up, you don't even have to do nothing with it. So maybe I'm being a little petty, but I just find it odd that the previous models do it, and you're going forward and you you decide yeah. not to put that in there. But yeah, no, I I agree with you. Um, what is the I don't know for sure what the last thing is that that you heard me say because as I said I don't know what happened there I just all of a sudden had it said connecting and then then I was back I'm doing a quick well, I jumped in because we're talking about something about home kit and that's why I jumped in because you brought up that word and it reminded me of the new heroes so whatever you were talking about that worked with home kit that was the last thing that we heard okay okay yeah I was saying that I I have gotten that that starling um home hub in order to uh, facilitate the use of the Nest products with the uh, with HomeKit. Um, and so, you know, uh, just I want to go over a couple of these products that I was awaiting their setup last time and their installation and let you know uh, my experience. So the first one is the Nest Yale Lock. Um, I've had several smart door locks now. Um, the most recent one prior to this was the Friday home lock, which is, you know, exclusively or was exclusively designed for home kit. And it was, uh, you know, it was a very, uh, it, it replaced the inside piece of your lock. Um, it did not replace the actual deadbolt. You used an existing deadbolt with it. And, uh, basically it 
worked very well. I, I never had any problems using it. It's one of the few in the industry to have a rechargeable battery instead of having to replace the batteries. Um, the only complaints that I had, if you want to call them complaints, is that I never felt like the solution was truly finished. There were features that were promised and never delivered. Um, features that other companies had and this one didn't. And, you know, I, I dealt with it for a while because I really didn't have a lot of other options. And why didn't I have a lot of other options? Because my, um, my wife is very concerned about the, the color of the lock. We have a polished brass, uh, you know, uh, door not ornament, you know, doorknobs and so forth outside there. And basically, uh, the Friday lock, when I got it, was the only one that was HomeKit compatible that was available in polished brass. And even to this day, a good portion of them are not. And so it was very, I think I found one other one that I was looking at, but it was like over $300. And I thought, I don't know, you know, I could do that, praise God, but I just don't know that I want to. Uh, and what I when I ran across this nest... And since I'm using these Nest products, I thought, well, let's look at the colors. And sure enough, it has polished brass. And then when I found out that I could use it with HomeKit because of my uh, Starling Home Hub, then, I mean, it was a matter of seconds until I had that thing in the, in the shopping cart and was checking out. Um, the the Nest, uh, Nest Yale lock does replace your actual deadbolt. Um, it is... Uh, you know, it's its own and it is, it is, as you know, as its name suggests, it is designed in partnership with Yale, uh, who's of course very, very well respected in the industry. Uh, one of the most fascinating things about the um, Nest Yale Lock is that it does not have a keyhole. All right. There is not a key uh, for this lock. It takes, um, it takes, double a batteries and you then will use one of several means of controlling it either an app or um your voice okay there is a keypad on it but it's not a physical keypad okay a lot of this stuff i learned you know once i ordered it once i got it um there is one tactile button on the outside of the door and one on the inside. Uh, but for the most part, it's it's a, a touchscreen or, or actually the outside may not even be tactile now that I'm thinking about it. There's one button on the inside for sure. Um, that doesn't bother me because I can get in with the other methods. I mean, it's just like I have a, a thermostat that I can't physically use the screen of either, you know, uh, but I use the app to control it. Um, this does take AA batteries. It does not rely on electrical power in any way. It does not rely on... Um, it, it, well, let me say this. It doesn't have Wi-Fi built into it. Um, they, they've put Bluetooth in it and uh, another type of radio frequency. And the reason they've done it that way is they say that allows for the batteries to last a lot longer. Um, Instead, they, they sell you this little device with it called a Nest Connect. 
And it's something that just plugs in to a power outlet. It doesn't even need to plug into your router. It's really cool. And it even has a battery backup. So if the power goes out, you get, I don't know, several hours of Nest Connect without, you know, electric electricity also. Um, interestingly, it if you have a Nest Hub, now I've talked about the Nest Hub uh, that we have, the smart display. If you have a Nest Hub Max, okay, which is a bit larger and which has a camera in it, um, that actually has the Nest Connect technology built into it. You would not necessarily need a separate Nest Connect device, but the the standard Nest Hub, which is a seven-inch display instead of a ten, uh, does not have that in it for whatever reason. So I needed the um, the Nest Connect. So you can buy the lock with or without the Nest Connect, and that thing is just literally a matter of plugging it in, setting it up in the app. Um, you use your Google account to set it up, um, but as of right now, you do need the Nest app to set up the the lock. Um, I suspect that will change in time because my understanding is that Google wants to merge everything into the Google Home app. They've already merged the accounts, but they've not fully completed the the merger of the of every product into one app yet. Um, there are features that you can control from the Google Home app, though, of this lock. It's just you have to set it up in the Nest app. Um, the the setup process I had, um, you know, someone install it who is very good with. Uh, with tools and you know and that sort of thing, it's supposed to be DIY. Uh, but as we know, a lot of those things, you know, that's all relative. Um, in this case, I'm glad that I had him because he did have to make some adjustments to the the door and so on because he said this particular deadbolt that Yale sells, you know, for this lock is very very picky. They want it to be absolutely precise. You know, they don't even want, uh, you know, a tenth of an inch uh, off from what they say. And that's probably for the best, because I will tell you that every lock I've had prior to this has had trouble when the weather has changed and things would swell or they would, you know, get a little looser, a little tight. And and then the lock would stick or it would, you know, not fully lock or those kinds of things. I don't expect I'm going to see that with this lock. Uh, I guess time will tell, you know, but we've already had a couple uh, weather changes from hot to cold to hot back to cold and now kind of warm and in the middle we've had rain we've had snow i think since he installed that so it's you know i don't i haven't seen any issues yet i hope i don't i don't think i'm going to so perhaps that um in- incredible insistence on exactness and precision you know pays off in in and that's the reason for it uh so you may need a drill you may need, you know, some tools, you may need sighted help, you know, those kinds of things. Um, once it was installed, you create a, uh, a pin code that you can, you know, use on the lock itself. And then everything else is, is set up in the app. And what's really beautiful is that because I have that Starling home hub, I didn't have to do anything to set it up with HomeKit. I suspected that maybe I'd, you know, have to go in and say add accessory and then it would see it nearby, you know, whatever. I didn't have to do any of that. It already showed up right where it was supposed to be. The only thing I did have to change was the room that it was put in. It was put in the, um, I guess, uh, the, oh yeah, I know what it was. It was put in the same room as my Starling Home Hub by default, you know, which makes sense from a, a logical perspective, but I obviously needed to change it. And so that's, you know, a, a five second thing in the home app 
So it immediately showed up in the Apple Home app. I can use it in the Apple Home app. I can't change too many settings in the Apple Home app. I, you know, I have to go to uh, the Nest app or the Google Home app to do extensive, uh, you know, advanced setting changes. But I can unlock it. I can lock it. You know, I can see its status. All the things that really matter on a day-to-day basis, and I can do it with Siri, and it works flawlessly with Siri. Uh, quite honestly, it works better than the Friday lock ever did with Siri. Uh, with with the Friday lock, sometimes there was a bit of a delay. Um, sometimes it would tell you the lock wasn't responding. Usually it would still respond, but it wasn't responding quickly enough for Siri's liking, and so you'd get that error message, and then usually it would still lock or unlock, and you'd, you know, you'd get the notification. But there sometimes was a delay. Uh, I'm not seeing that at all. With, with this lock with HomeKit, even though the lock isn't designed for use with HomeKit. But be, thanks to that, that Starling, it's, uh, you know, it's working beautifully. And it works with Google. So I can use either voice assistant. Um, I, can, you know, I can tell Google to lock the doors. And that's what's cool too. My sighted family can walk up to, their net, to our Nest Hub, <clears throat> excuse me, or to, um, to one of the uh, smart clocks in our bedrooms. And they can see the lock status, they can unlock or lock the door. Um, Google Assistant does not allow you to use a Nest Hub to unlock the door for security reasons, all right? So you, you have to use the app or use uh, your voice on the phone to do that. Now, Siri will allow it with the HomePods, but she'll tell you you need to continue on your iPhone. So it's really not much different than uh, than Google. It's, you know, one series just a little bit smoother because it, you know, it'll walk you through that and say, you know, continue on your iPhone, whatever, but you have to authenticate with your, you know, touch ID, face ID, or uh, device passcode. So that's the, that's the Nest Lock, uh, Yale Lock. I really, really like it a lot. It is um, everything that I wanted it to be and more. We'll see how long the batteries last, but you know it's just double A's. They can easily be replaced. Um, they tell you you can get up to a year. Of course, that you know varies. Uh, so we'll see. You know, we'll see what we get on that. Uh, but it is it is definitely a really really great lock. And then the other product that I believe I had mentioned but did not have yet, and I want to talk about this, and then we'll take your questions. Uh, this is another product that works with Google Assistant, and I mentioned it before. Uh, and that is the Kosori Smart Oven. It is a uh, it is a twelve in one oven. I think I mentioned this before. Um, it offers functionality like air fryer, toaster, oven, dehydrator, rotisserie. There are lots of choices. It is, um, you know, a countertop unit. And we replaced our existing toaster, slice toaster, and uh, and our air fryer with this one device. And um, one of the most important things for me is that it's app controlled. Okay, uh, now there is a special app called VSync that you use to control this thing. And the great part about it is that the app is one hundred percent accessible. Um, I, I use it every day practically uh, with voiceover and it works great. Um, I was excited prior to purchasing it because one of our team members, Trainer Lynn, had told me about it. She had gotten it. 
And I was excited that, you know, I could use my voice and say, you know, make my toast or, or bake at 300, you know, whatever. I was excited for that. Honestly, I don't even do that very much. I go into the app because I have such control over it in the app and the app works so well. I mean, it, everything about it is, is voiceover friendly. And so you can go into the app. Um, you can start cooking right now and manually set what you want. You know, you can pick the mode. As I said, they have 12 different modes. I mentioned some of them to you. Um, then if it is appropriate for you to do so, you can set the temperature. Uh, if it's, if you choose toast, for example, you're not setting the temperature, you're setting, you know, the lightness or darkness. I think they have six or eight dark darkness, you know, settings. Uh, but if you pick oven, for example, you can, you can set the temperature. Uh, you can determine whether you want to preheat or not and um, how for how long you want to cook after the preheat, okay? Um, the one thing to be aware of, it's not, I wouldn't call it a con, uh, but it is something to definitely be aware of, is it's a one-shot deal. It's start or stop. This It's like a cycle. So what I mean by that is if you tell it to cook for 10 minutes, it's going to preheat, and then when you hit start, after you you set it to preheat, it's going to go for 10 minutes and then it's going to shut off and alert you. It's not, you can't pause it in the middle. So if you need to, if you're cooking a recipe where you know that you need to stop halfway through and turn over the items or something, then I suggest adding an extra minute or two to the cook time uh, in order to account for that. All right, so you just have to be aware of that. Um, the once you Once you tell it, what your cooking instructions are and you, you know, tell it to do it, it will transmit those cooking instructions to the oven, but it won't start the oven on its own. And I believe that's a wonderful safety feature to ensure that you don't accidentally start, you know, heating an oven when you don't mean to. So you have to walk up and push the start button on the oven. It's very easy to find, very tactile. And then everything else is, is controlled by the app if you want it to be at that point. Um, as I said, it gives you an alert both on the oven and in the app when it reaches its temperature, if you are doing a preheat, and then you have to hit start uh, when you're ready to continue. And again, you get an alert on the oven and on the phone when it is done cooking, and it automatically shuts off too. It, so it beeps for you to let you know that it's done. You get your notification on the oven, and I'd say within 30 seconds, the oven actually turns itself off then so that you don't have to even worry about remembering to do that. Now, in addition to this, the app lets you save your favorite recipes. You can uh, put a name to them and predetermine the mode, the temperature, the time, and all that. Uh, oh, another thing it has in it is a fan. So once you start the preheat or whatever mode, you can turn the fan on low or high, and like a convection fan. And uh, there's the light for those folks who might benefit from seeing what's happening in the oven at that time too. Um, anyway, you can save your favorite recipes. You also have a, they have a collection of recipes in the app and they feature different ones each day. So you can try things out and uh, they'll tell you what ingredients you need. And then of course, it'll, it'll preset the times for you. You can also see the history of what somebody did, even if they didn't use the app. So right now I'm the only person in the family to have the app and that's not my doing. It's just that nobody else has done it for whatever reason, but I can go into the app right now. And I can see, you know, for example, that uh, my wife and kids made a bagel this morning, right? You know, I can, or, or toast, you know, I can see that because the app keeps a history of everything that was made and shows you the 
temperature, the time, the mode that was used for that particular thing. So it's, it is a really, really solid product with a very, very accessible app. And of course, um, not, not of the least importance too, is that the food turns out really, really good. We have not done a whole bunch of stuff in it yet, but we've certainly made a lot of frozen snacks. Uh, we've certainly reheated pizza. Um, we've certainly done toast and bagels, you know, we've done the, and we've even used the air fryer and everything has turned out amazingly, uh, that we've, that we've put in it and that we've used it for. Now, as far as the voice control, as I mentioned, I don't have, um, it's set up with, or I think I didn't really mention, but I don't have it set up with the a lady. I do have a couple echoes, um, in our home. We have all three voice assistants, praise God, but echo is kind of the least for me. Uh, so it goes Siri, Google, and then the Amazon one. So I don't have it set up with her. Uh, you are supposed to be able to, my concern was being able to set it up with Google. Um, of course, you know, you, you can't with Siri. I wish you could, but there's no, that's not an option right now. So my concern was Google and I actually set up my VSync account with Google before I ever bought the product. The reason for that was when I, uh, was looking at reviews of the product after Lynn told me about it, trainer Lynn, I, uh, I, I did, uh, went online and watched some video reviews. Well, the video review that I watched, I guess one really was made like two years ago. And at that time there was, uh, an issue or, or it wasn't even a video review. I apologize. It was on Amazon where I was going to buy it. And they have, you know, people that review the products and the review was left like two years ago. Somebody said they couldn't connect it to their Google account. It didn't connect. It, they got an error message and they couldn't seem to solve that problem. So it was either there or Reddit or something. And I said, well, I better try that before I buy the product because that's important to me. I didn't actually realize how unimportant it would have been because as I said, I'm mostly using the app. At the time, that was really high importance. And so what I did was I downloaded the VSync app, set up the free account and immediately tried to connect it to Google. Thinking being, if I get an error, we're going to not buy it. If I don't, then we're going to proceed. Praise God, I did not get any errors. Whatever that issue was, it's not an issue anymore, I guess. And it worked fine. I you know, connected it successfully on the first try. And then because I had set it up in the VSync app, I, instead of buying it on Amazon, I bought it in the VSync app because there's a store right in the app. And I got like 20% off the purchase price by doing it that way because it was my first purchase in there. So the, the thing normally runs $199, I think, and I, I got it for 20% off. So I set up everything ahead of time so that as soon as the toaster oven was put on Wi-Fi, you know, it would work with Google. And then I could go into the Google app and assign it to a room. Um, the, the support for Google, this is where I had seen the video review, I guess. Um, the video review was done a while back and the person said that the control you have is very limited with voice assistants, like you can't set custom temperatures and, and modes and stuff like that. It appears that's been slightly improved. I've been able to choose the mode with my voice. I can say bake in the toaster oven, you know, and it will set it to bake. I'm little by little trying new commands and saying, you know, try to add temperature to it, try to add, you know, time to it, those kinds of things. But oftentimes, as I said, it's just as easy for me to pick up my phone and, uh, and, and, just go ahead and, and, you know, cook through the app. So that is the Kosori 
smart oven. You're going to see a video of that on my uh, YouTube page very soon as well. As a matter of fact, I'm going to be doing a smart home tour on YouTube, um, maybe as early as this weekend, but it'll be definitely, definitely in the near future. So um, what I'd love to do now is to go ahead and take your questions uh, uh, regarding anything we've covered today. The, the Apple event, the iPad Air, the Mac Studio, the toaster oven, the Nest Lock, all these different products we've discussed. We'd love to have your questions. Okay, so if you want to raise your hand on a PC, it is Alt Y. To mute after I get to unmute after I give you permission is Alt A. On a Mac, option Y to raise your hand, Command Shift A to unmute. On your smartphones, it is uh, on a webinar, it's in the center of your screen to raise your hand, just on the regular home screen. And then to mute and unmute is in the lower left-hand corner. And on a touch-tone keypad, it is star 9 to raise your hand and star 6 to unmute. And we have Viola. So, you, Viola, you can unmute. Good morning, afternoon, Matt. Hi, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. Good. Um, I can't wait to actually get to interact with you. But the question <laughs> that I have today is about the air fryer. Do you know what the wattage of the oven is? Because to me, that's important because if it's, you know, 15 or in there, it's not as good as, say, 18. You know what I mean? So I'm just. I do. I do know what you mean. I, I unfortunately don't know that answer off the top of my head. However, oh, would you would you text will, it to me when you have yes, a chance? That's what I was going to say. I will try okay. to look it up for you, and I will definitely let you know if you haven't heard from me in a day or two. Just text me to jog my memory and remind me. Um, but uh, yeah, I will try to look that up and uh, and get back to you for sure. Great, and that lock was. Thank you for that wonderful description of the law because i've been waiting for you to cover it and you know yes. so i could uh, yes so thank you for that that was great thanks for this presentation i think it's great awesome well glad to hear that and you're coming to the book discussion monday night right oops i'm sorry i just removed her permission to talk oh. sorry <laughs> oh okay <laughs> okay ibram hi guys hi how you doing? Uh, so I'm happy to hear that you guys are talking about the Kasoy uh, one because I've been looking at it for a while and I wasn't sure if I was going to get it. I have another one that isn't that accessible with the app, but I was holding off. I'm glad you guys are going to do a review. Um, do you know if it comes in just the air fryer version or do I have to get the one that's an oven, air fryer, everything? So I've... No, I, I've not seen, you know, all the products that Kosori has. I think they may have a model that is not as robust that, you know, doesn't have all the same features. But yeah. I don't know. I don't know what the um, what the app support is for that either. Uh, okay. You know, I I think this one is uh, is probably a person's best bet just because of the you know the ease of use with which you can you can work this thing and 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 all of that but yes i you know um i, I do and, believe there are several different products there and and how big is the air fryer basket this curious 
Uh, it's it's fairly large. I'm not I'm not uh, you know extremely great at dimensions. I'd have to have somebody measure it, but I mean it, it's fairly large. You know there okay. there are three there are three racks, three different like places in the oven where you can put your food, and the top one is the air fryer basket. And, you know, it, it comes out and you can put food in it and then, you you know, you put it back in. So it, it's a decent size. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. Okay. And this is my other quick question. Uh, I heard you mentioned the iPad ninth generation. Um, does that come with a touch ID in the side or that's all face ID? Okay. So the, the, the ninth generation one, which was released back in uh, September or October, that one has... Touch ID in the home button. The iPad okay. Air, the the Air fifth generation that was just released, that's got Touch ID in the power button. So okay. everything is Touch ID except for the iPad Pro, which has Face ID. So if I wanted to upgrade to the ninth one, it, would that be a good one? Is that okay? It would. It would be a very good one. It, it's an excellent model. Um, it's okay. actually what, what I'm using as we speak on this, on this zoom call. It's a great model. Yeah. Okay. Because I'm thinking of getting that just to stay with the home button another year. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Thank you. All right. Thank you. All right, Stephanie. Hi everyone. Hope you guys are Hi. having a great day. Hi. Yeah. Um, my question pertains to center stage. Is, am I saying that right? The, yes. The future? Yes. Um, is that available on the MacBook Air with the M1 chip? It is not right now. And, you know, I really, really hope that Apple continues to expand the availability of that feature. Um, the only the only way to get it on a Mac uh, is to use is to get that studio display. Um, it is available. <laughs> yeah, it, it's available on all, I want to say all the iPads. Now I'm questioning whether it's on the mini, but I think that it is because I thought I read a reviewer that said the the iPad Air was the last iPad to still need it, you know, before the event. So I, I think it's available on mm -hmm. every current iPad model. Okay. And is it available on iOS, um, at the I, iPhone 13 Pro? It, it is not on any iPhone. No. Oh, it's not on any iPhone. Okay. Correct. I, I apologize. I, I didn't catch no, no, the very no, beginning. No. Yeah. No, yeah. but it sounds like a great feature and I'd like to see it everywhere. Yeah. Point, yeah. And, and, you know, people really say that it works. You know, we've, we've mm -hmm. done it and, and they do say it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I hear great things about it. But as usual, you guys are uh, doing a great job and I look forward to your next um, presentation. All right. Well, thank you. <laughs> Welcome. Diane. Hi, Matt. And Hi. Lisa. Um, how you doing? Good. How are you? Good. Um, good. I, um, about, and this, the answer is probably no, and then I'll think about it, but is the oven, it's not a crock pot, is it? It can't do crock pot? That's correct. That's correct. It does, it does have, um, you know, a lot of other features that, you know, rotisserie and those kinds of things, but no, not a, not a crock pot. Okay. Yeah. Now, once I thought about it, I thought, no, I bet it doesn't. So, but I already I had my hand up, so I thought I'd just ask anyway. <laughs> okay. But sure. It, it sounds really good, though. It, it really does. Wow. It, and, it is uh, honestly. I I 
<laughs> I use it more than the the regular oven because, well, a regular oven isn't smart, but you know, I, it's brailled. Right. I can control it, you know. But um, honestly, because of the size of the this this smart oven, it preheats so fast. You know, where our our range electric oven, you know, would take maybe fifteen minutes to reach a temperature of four hundred. This thing will reach it in you know four or five minutes. Um, so it's a, yeah, it's a great little device. You know, you wouldn't do the whole Thanksgiving Turkey for 12 people in it. It's not that, you know, uh, but it's, it, it's a, it's a fantastic device. Can you bake like a dessert in it? Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I see no reason why not. I mean, again, size may be a limiting factor, but yeah. And, and the nice thing too, when we're talking about size is that those three racks that I mentioned to Ibrahim, they are removable also and you can put your own um you know so if you needed to put something taller um than maybe what they had you know you could take all three of the existing racks out before you heat it and then just put in one oven tray or you know baking pan or baking sheet or something and that would give you uh, a significant amount of additional room too and how big is it i mean does it take up a lot of room or um, as I said to, to, uh, I think it was Ibrahim or, or somebody there. It, I'm, I'm a little bit dicey with, on, on sizes and measurements. Um, what I can tell you is that we had a standard air fryer before and a regular slice toaster, and it was a pretty robust slice toaster. It was not one of these little plasticky ones, you know, it was, it was metal and it was, you know, bigger. Um, and we removed both of those in order to make room for this smart oven. So it's, it's fairly large. Um, I, I have read that some people have claimed they've cooked a chicken in it. I, uh, you know, I mean, anything's possible. I, I think that would be a little tight, but maybe if you took out all three of the racks and put, you know, one in. So yeah, it's, um, it's, it's a nice size. Definitely. Well, I imagine you could put like, uh, pieces of your chicken yeah like just if you were cooking legs or thighs or oh you could definitely do that absolutely yeah absolutely yep and then um let's see i had one more question now what was it um well gee i can't think of it now um (laughs) (laughs) well i can text you later and ask you i I can't let you get on to the next next person okay all right sounds good all right take care Actually, we don't have any more raised hands. Okay. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. How about we just give you another minute? Oh, I just lied. Somebody else just raised their hand. (laughs) Area code 407. You can unmute. Okay. A a couple things. (laughs) Um, First of all, the the new um, iPhone SE, the 2022, I assume that has the uh, NFC capability. Is that correct? Am I not making it in? You're here. Yeah, I don't hear Um, Matt talking to me. What happened? Matt, you're here, but we're not hearing you. Oh, there he is back. Here, here, hold on a sec. You might have to ask your question again. 
I don't I don't know if Zoom is having some issues today or what. <laughs> I, I keep testing my internet connection when that happens and everything looks fine. So I don't know that what's was going weird. On. I thought maybe I yeah. was gone. <laughs> yeah, that's strange. Um, I'll try my question again. I, I had a couple quick things. Um, first of all, the the new uh, SE, the third generation SE, whatever you want to call it. I assume that has uh, NFC capability. Do you know for sure? Yes. Yeah, it, it does. It would have, you know, your Apple Pay and all of that. So, yes. Okay, so I should be able to uh, connect it with a, a glucometer. Well, it's a, uh, you know, one of these continuous glucometer things that needs NFC. Yes, um, yes, absolutely. Okay. Um, and I don't know if you have a quick opinion if this is going to get too long. Don't worry about it. But it's been a while since we've updated phones. And do you have any real quick opinion whether it's, better to we've always done it through like the verizon store but i know of course you can either go to an apple store or to your um you know provider like your cell phone store like verizon do you feel that one usually uh does better for you economically or or whatever or gives more support than the other or do you have any opinion on that without getting too lengthy yeah yeah i've always you know I've always preferred to do that stuff through Apple whenever it's possible because I do think the experience is better and more consistent. And in recent years, Apple has been able to give the same discounts or sometimes better discounts than the carriers can give um, because they work with the carriers, you know, and you can set up the carrier right. Financing and everything, even through Apple, it doesn't. It you and know. Do you normally have to set up appointments then with them before you go in, or not? Well, if you're going to go in physically, a lot of the stores are requiring the appointments, but I don't know that they all are. You can also do it in the okay. Apple Store app. You know. Now, having said that, right. there's nothing wrong with getting it from a carrier as well. And if you are seeing a benefit to doing that, then you know, by all means, that will work as well. Okay. Yeah, I know that can be done. Of course, we've just never tried the other way, and I was curious just to just to get yeah. a, a quick, um, you know, opinion from you on it. So, thank you for your time, and, and we certainly appreciate uh, these webinars that you do. Thank All you. All right, thank you so much. Okay, we got about eight minutes, and Barbie, you can unmute. There you go. Hello. Hi there. Hi. Oh, thank you for this presentation and all you, that you shared. I'm. I want to ask about the um, the Mac Air. I mean the iPad Air and the iPad Pro. Um, not necessarily which one is better, but it's like it's kind of getting kind of confusing to decide which one to get since they came out around almost back to back. Yeah. Um, what I would, I'll give you a quick answer. And what I would encourage you to do then is to email us uh, and we can go more in depth and, and try to help you decide that. But I will say that I believe that the iPad Air and the ninth generation iPad are what most people will, will need. The iPad Pro is really something that I think only people who are doing 
as I said, like actual Hollywood movies or, you know, working as NASA engineers and architects, those kinds of things. I think that's where the iPad Pro really shines. You can get all of the the major features in the um, the ninth generation iPad or the iPad Air. And the only other situation where I would recommend going with the Pro is if you need more internal storage than the 256 gigabytes that uh, you can get in in those other two models that because the pros do go up higher than that but you know if you're using iCloud storage and external media and so forth you really won't need more than 256 so i think for most people the ninth generation uh 10.2 inch ipad and the ipad air fifth generation are going to be just perfect and do they look similar like um in size and everything since since if one is used to just using the regular ipads or something so the 10 the, the the ninth generation ipad is the sort of traditional ipad look uh it still has the same body that ipads have had for years so you've got kind of the rounded corners and so forth um the ipad air actually looks like an ipad pro just a little bit smaller so it's a square kind of more industrial design very very thin and light um and uh you know is a slightly larger 10.9 inch screen where the the ipad um ninth generation is a 10.2 inch thanks because i read your email talking about the ipad pro that was very enlightening as well thank you very much all right thank you thank you all right one more hand diane <laughs> I thought of my question. Um, Matt. Okay. So you obviously, uh, if you're controlling the oven through the app, then you don't need the you don't need the um, Google, you know, voice thing, or whatever. You know, right, you know, right. Yeah, you can just so you would need the Google app and then this other app, which I forget the name of that you mentioned. Right. Yeah. The, the V-Sync app. And, and if you don't if you don't have any plans to do voice control and, you know, the Google Nest Hub, then you don't even need the Google app. Um, oh, I see. Okay. You really only need the V-Sync app then. Oh, OK. Oh, OK. It's good to know. All right. Well, yeah. thanks. All right. Thank you. All right. All right. Well, I guess that's going to do it for us. So I want to thank all of you so much for joining today. And I want to encourage you to check out our website at ttjtech.net. We are uh, really promoting both of our um, YouTube channels, uh, the uh, TTJ YouTube channel, which you can find by going to ttjtech.net uh, or by searching um, TTJ or TTJ Tech Show on YouTube or something like that. Uh, and the other one is uh, is Trainer Cliffs, and it's Stir It Up, but Stir is spelled with a U S T U R I T U P. Check that out as well. And uh, you know, if you have additional questions about any of that or anything we've discussed, uh, you can definitely send us an email at support at ttjtech.net. That's support at ttjtech.net. God bless you, everybody. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next time.